Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! Hi, everybody. Mark Lawrence once again, along with Victor King, and we're all set to go against the spread on this weekend's college and pro football cards. And Victor, it's getting to be that time of the year when the college football race for the college football playoff is underway and also the second half of the NFL football season. A great time of the season. You definitely got that right, Mark. Uh, I'm unprofitable Sunday in the NFL, but with that said, our college football totals have done very well in the season. We're up to 67% now on the season in college football. On Saturday, it was a three-star winner on Indiana Penn State over the total in that Big Ten game. And then we had a Saturday night play on over the total in the SEC conference. That game we talked about on the show last week, Alabama versus LSU. And it was a game, Mark, that perhaps overbetters maybe didn't deserve to win because it was pretty low scoring throughout the entire game. But when Sandy, my wife and I were watching the game in the fourth quarter, I told her, look, honey, if we can somehow get this game to 24-24 and going into overtime, then we're going to have a shot in that game. Lo and behold, that's what happened because, you know, in college football overtimes, Mark, that is where unders go to die. Yeah, the record keeps playing and playing for those football teams over and over and over, <laughs> meaning that most of the games do end up going over, uh, largely because of the extended playing time in a situation just like that. National Football League, not so much because we've got the clock and it will end after the 10-minute period regardless of whatever whoever's leading or whatever the score is. So you can almost tabulate an NFL game that goes into overtime as to whether or not you will win or lose the total, largely, I guess, dependent upon what the total was going in. But it, all in all, it was an interesting weekend, to say the least. And National Football League, Victor, it's, it's sort of zany, this football season. We'll talk about that in just a minute here, uh, what's going on in the NFL. I, I, it's just absolutely mind-boggling to me. Uh, college football, we now have four, a total of four, undefeated football teams remaining as we get closer and closer to December 4th, and that's the date that the college football playoff committee will announce the four teams that will be in this year's college football playoff. And inside those numbers about these undefeated football teams, they're all four obviously ranked in the top four, justifiably so, in the college football playoff rankings. Only three teams have been perfect in the stats thus far this year. The same teams that I alluded to last week, Georgia, Illinois, and Michigan. The only oddity is the fact that Illinois lost the game but still won the stats. Some way, somehow, the Illini do that. They've outyarded everybody they played. They have the number one ranked scoring and overall defense, but they're still not quite cashing enough checks. I don't think they uh, deservedly so for the backers that are backing that team because of that. We also have three teams that, again, the same three teams last year that have won the games an average of over 200 yards a game on the football playing field. These are the powerhouse guys. 
And these are three of those undefeated teams. It's Georgia, Michigan, and Ohio State. Even though the Buckeyes took their first stat loss of the season last week when they let Northwestern lull them to sleep. They got out of Evanston alive in that football game, but uh, for a time, Northwestern held the lead in the football. That looked to be Ohio State's Waterloo, that one trip up that most football teams encountered throughout the season. Close, but no cigar for Northwestern in that football game last week. Victor, I saw the college football playoff rankings came out. Any of your take on what you saw in the rankings about any of those teams and any of your teams there moving forward? Well, you know, Mark, before we talk about the four remaining undefeated teams, the Kings are dead in college football, and it appears that for the first time in the nine-season college football playoff era, we may stage a playoff with neither Alabama or Clemson in it. Obviously, they've been the two dominant brands in college football the previous eight years. Uh, the Crimson Tide, they made the bracket seven times, won three national titles. The Tigers have made it six times. They've won it all twice. And now, after both were upset on Saturday, they're on the outside looking in. It's a very strange role for both teams, and they both need a lot of help to kind of change their uh, uh, circumstances. Uh, my takeaways, Mark, I still think Tennessee is in a decent driver's seat to finish in the top four. Of course, it'll probably come down to Tennessee versus Oregon. I mean, what, the volunteers? have, what, three unranked opponents left on their schedule, uh, Missouri, Carolina, and Vanderbilt. And Oregon has a much tougher schedule that begins this week, not to mention if they defeat Washington, they're going to be playing UCLA or USC in the Pac-12 title game. So it's going to be interesting between those two teams who gets the higher ranking when the committee certainly comes down to debate the merits of Tennessee against Oregon. Well, what happens when the committee comes down to debating the merits of a two-loss Alabama football team, Victor? Uh, we could have, for the first time ever, and they just that, a two-loss team making the playoffs here this year. There are a handful of worthy one-loss teams, and there will probably be three of those left by the end of the football season. But the situation still exists that a two-loss Alabama football team could be there uh, depending upon what happens in the SEC playoff here, obviously. So that will be a big, big discussion. And I guess they'll say that there's always a first time for everything if they let Alabama into the playoffs. But I also know there'll be a lot of people crying loud a lot about letting a two-loss team get in ahead of their one-loss team, if you will. So a lot of intrigue going on right now in the college football playoff scene. In the poll that came out this week, Victor, I was glad to see – TCU get their just due. They're ranked number four, one of those four undefeated football teams just ahead of number five, Tennessee. It's very, very easy for the uh, the committee to fall in love with teams like Tennessee and maybe uh, not so much put their arms around the TCUs of the football world, but I'm glad they did the right thing because TCU does deserve to be in amongst the top four teams for their body of work thus far this football season. The other thing that jumped out to me in the poll this week, Victor, was the fact that there are, if you take a look, five teams in the poll, the top 25, that have three losses this year. Three of them in the top 20. 
So uh, maybe a little bit of mediocrity is setting in as, as far as these football teams are concerned here. Maybe the door should be opened a little bit more, or a little harder look at some of these group of five teams per se, as opposed to some of these mediocre three loss power five guys. But, you know, that's a story for another day. We'll talk a little bit about that when we get to our college football game of the week. And uh, one quick note here, Victor, I'm going to throw this out here before I hand it back to you. Uh, I can't believe it, but uh, on the site, on the college football playoff site, they actually put the odds, money line odds, of the teams to win the college football playoff moving forward. You remember that that was always the NCAA that poo-pooed gambling, okay? Now you can find out exactly <laughs> what those odds are on these teams. The Georgia Bulldogs, the favorite, their pick them. Ohio State's next at plus 220. 25 plus 800, CU plus 1400, and Oregon plus 2500. So interesting to see how those will change depending upon what happens this week. Any other observations you saw on last week's college football card before we hop over to the NFL? Well, Mark, you know, we talked about TCU last week, and uh, I would agree with you. They are well deserving of a top for a placement in the rankings. The margin for error is a little bit slim for them, but they do control their playoff path. With that said, they've got a difficult schedule. On the road this week in Austin, on the road next week against Baylor before closing out the season against Iowa State. Uh, despite the fact that uh, LSU is not the highest ranked team in the SEC conference, they kind of Hold the key, if you will, to some SEC chaos. I think that the ACC conference is probably in the worst shape of the Power Five conferences. And you talked about the group of five teams, and we almost made this our game of the week this week as Tulane hosts Central Florida, number yep. 17 Green Wave against number 22 Central Florida. They're the two best teams in the AAC conference. They face each other. Central Florida does that before heading to the Big 12 next season. And again, as you know, and we've spoken of in the past, the highest ranked conference champion from the group of five is guaranteed a, to earn a spot in a New Year's Six Bowl game. So the winner of Saturday's game could very well take the lead for that spot. And if you're looking at a potential good under, I'm liking Tulane at home with that fantastic Green Wave defense to hold Central Florida down in that game and go under the total mark. Good observation there, Victor. I'll make note of that. I'm sure our listeners and our viewers out there will do just the same. And, you know, if this show were game as opposed to against the spread, we might have opted for that two-lane game because there is a lot of intrigue in that game. And we've talked a lot before about a bunch of good-looking power fights. we got a beauty on tap for our college football game. It was just too good to pass. And we'll get to that in just a moment. Let's take it over to the National Football League. And uh, leading it off at the very top of the uh, of this of, the, of this portion of, this, of the show is, is again head scratching time for me. And we saw we talked about the struggles of the Bays, the Tampa Bays, and the Green Bays. Tampa Bay just barely eked out a win on their last possession, almost the last play of the game. Green Bay loses to Detroit. Are you kidding me? Aaron Rodgers, I mean, there's obviously something going on that's not right with that football team right now. Uh, so you've got a team here in Green Bay that once again could be nominated for the most embarrassed team. I know Steve Crabb, the Texas Tornado, 
nominates them this week, and he would co-nominate the Carolina Panthers, but he also says he can't play either of those two teams for the condition that they're in. But if I'm going to nominate an embarrassed team, I'm going to do it maybe for personal reasons. Right back with the Las Vegas Raiders and the ugly disappointment that they led with last week as well. Going into the football game last week, they were blanked, shut out at New Orleans. That should have made them red-faced enough to get up for the contest, and they were up for the contest for the first half of the game. They had a big 17-point lead, and they proceeded to choke it out again as they've done for the third time this season. 17-point leads and lose the football games. Victor, I'm going to go so far as to say if there is a first-year head coach in the NFL that doesn't make it to the end of the season, it will be Josh McDaniels. There's no excuse for a football team like that to lose in the manner in which they're losing football games. And, you know, I can't remember who it was that said this. Uh, It was Rich Gannon with the NFL radio on Sirius Channel 88. He said, blame the players, don't blame the coach. Well, I say baloney. The coach is the person that's responsible for putting those players in there. There's enough talent on that football team. Uh, you don't change your game plan like he did at the half. I mean, Devontae Adams was having a career game at the half, and he touched the ball one time in the second half. That's coaching. And it just blows my mind between something like that and what we've been watching all year long with this over-analytical approach of these coaches here, it just makes you want to turn the turn the, the tube off. Sometimes you're better off. Somebody told me this. You're much better off not watching these games and just studying the statistics and analyzing that way because you put too much of what you see into a football game and you can't get it out of your mind. And right now, I can't get the Las Vegas Raiders out of my mind. You talk about ocean, and it is so key in our business to remove the emotion from a game. So you're absolutely right about that. I. I don't watch as much football as a lot of people do over the course of the weekend, but I'm definitely on my phone studying the stats of every single game. You know, you mentioned the Raiders, two and six on the season. They've yet to win a road game this year, and still Josh McDaniel got that dreaded vote of confidence this week. You know what that usually means. But, Mark, I got two more teams that I want to nominate for embarrassed teams as well. One has got to be the Arizona Cardinals. This is a team that's usually a fantastic first-half team, and it's not till the second half of the season that they usually start their slide. Guess what? Three and six on the year, another double-digit home loss to a division opponent. In this case, Seattle Seahawks. They got out-yarded by 150 yards in that particular game, now in last place in the NFC West division. And finally, I'm sure you may have something to say about this particular team. But if a team is not embarrassed after passing for 43 in the game, after accumulating (laughs) only 120 total yards in the game, then they definitely should be. And that head-scratching coaching move that they pulled off a couple of days ago has got us mind-boggled. I'm talking about the Indianapolis Colts. Incredible. What's happening to that football program here? And it's, I think it's almost time for the for the NFL to step in and say, hey, guys, you know, we're going to put a, a management team to manage this football team because you're not handling it right here right now. As we talked about before, not only do they promote a head coach that's never been a coach before at any level, a former player, but they also brought an offensive coordinator in to run and call a place that's never been an offensive coordinator or a coach in his life either. And he comes from 
about a handful of Division three football programs. So you got a kid from what would be in baseball parlance coming from Class A to the major leagues, and he's going to be in charge of running the offense, running the plays, doing all those things. I don't know what's going on at Indianapolis these days. You, you inferred that tanking could be the issue here. I mean, you know, the position to put themselves, uh, have that number one pick uh, this year because there's a lot of good quarterbacks coming out. But this is getting to be absurd, what's going on with the Colts. And not only that, Victor, what we just talked about, these two train one another this week, the Colts <laughs> and the Raiders. Right. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Dr. Jennifer Melfi, Sopranos, let's dial her up. It's exactly what we're supposed to do with that football game. It's incredible what's going on. Uh, and also, I mentioned the analytical part of it for our good friend Jeff Kabasiak, the guitar man up in Canada, because he's been ragging on these coaches all year long as well about their decisions that they're making in coaching. That's taking a little bit of a sidelight or a sidebar to the side for now, for the moment, only because we've got these bizarro results that we just talked about. I want to also run by for our viewers and listeners out there, the current playoff picture, if I may, of the teams heading into this weekend. The number one seed talking about Buffalo Bills and Philadelphia Eagles. Buffalo also in a precarious situation right now with Josh Allen and his injury situation. That remains to be seen whether he'll be playing this week or not. Number two teams, Kansas City and Minnesota, both doing the job and getting it done. No complaints at all about those four in Seattle. Upstart Seattle, and it looks like the Baltimore Raven freight train is beginning to uh, get in gear here right now for the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, this defense asserts us at all. They're going to be a team no no one is going to want to play in the playoffs. Number four, by default, the Tennessee Titans and the Tampa Bay Bucks. The New York Jets and the Dallas Cowboys. And kudos to the Jets in that big win over the Buffalo Bucks bills last week we're going to talk with andy isco when we get that vegas vibe in vegas and talk about how many teams were knocked out of the circus survivor contest by the buffalo bills lost and there was a big no-no in that and i'll run that by andy as well uh number six seeds the miami dolphins and the new york giants and the number seven and final playoff seeds heading into this week would be the la chargers and francisco 49ers any other takes victor on what you saw in the national football league or that you went want to pay Pass along before we hop on to our college football game of the week. One more, if I can, Mark, the fact that we are off once a low-scoring week. Broken record in the NFL as there were only four overs last week. Nine games went under the total. From a game-over-under standpoint, it was the lowest-scoring week of the season. And we're now at 55 and 80 on the year. That's 59% wow. under the total. Within that number, NFL games in which a home team is the underdog have gone 15 and 41 on the season. That's this season. That's 77%. We got three more games this week in which the home team is an underdog. You're going to want to definitely look at that in the NFL. We've talked about the reasons. In each of the last, what, six podcasts, uh, let's use 2020 as a baseline comparison. That was that high-scoring season, 2020, 49.6 points per game in the NFL, highest-scoring season of all time. Here we are, just two years removed. We're down six points a game. 43.8 is the average this year. We talked about the reasons. Uh, I've got two more reasons. 
NFL passing yards are down 65 yards per game compared to that record 20 season. So factor in two teams, we're seeing 130 less passing yards per game. We're seeing 24 more rushing yards per game compared to 20. Another reason for this extremely low scoring season. Well, Victor, I also was perusing through the totals tip sheet this week, and uh, I picked up four numbers that I'm going to have to play in my lottery numbers this particular week. Uh, <laughs> you call, was it two zero two zero one seven? Two zero one seven is what you want to play. Four out of thirteen games last week in the NFL finished exactly with the score of twenty to seventeen. Now, back in the old days, 37 was a key number when it came to totals. Guess yes, what? In the last three years, it's back again, and that's because of this low-scoring season. The three most popular numbers when it comes to totals are 44.0, 51.0, and now 37.0. Again, basically one out of three games last week finished exactly at 20-17. to 17. Victor, on the next Powerball lottery ticket, I'll have to use those numbers some way, somehow. Uh, right, right. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a big lottery player ticket, and neither is my wife, but she couldn't resist, you know, a, a, a $2 billion Powerball sure. lottery. You know, she she bought her usual one ticket. <laughs> I said to her, well, it's up to $2 billion. Why don't you to buy two tickets? <laughs> and I had to remind her a story somebody told me once about really dire straits. And he was praying to God. He said, God, please help me win the lottery. And God said to him, you need to buy a ticket first. So <laughs> you're not going to win. You're not going to win anything if you if you don't have any skin in the game. I guess that's the moral to the story. So right. maybe a little more skin in the game. But we're going to remember 2017 moving forward, maybe perhaps right now through now to the end of the football season. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. I'm visiting with Victor King from King Creole Sports. And, Victor, what do you say? Let's get over to our college football game of the week. And we've got a beauty inside the Big 12 Conference with the aforementioned TCU Horn Frogs taking on the Texas Longhorns in a battle of top 25 ranked teams. In fact, they're ranked in all three of the major polls, the AP, the coaches, and the polls. What do you see going on in this football game between the Horned Frogs and the Texas Longhorns on Saturday, Victor? Right, Mark. Exciting game to watch. It's going to be nationally televised on ABC TV at 730 Eastern on Saturday evening. And as you mentioned, give credit to the Texas Longhorns. They're back in the top 25 after winning four of their last five games. In terms of the series, it's been pretty low scoring. Last seven meetings, two overs, five unders, only 44.5 combined points per game. Uh, things a little bit different in this 22 season. TCU has been one of the better over teams this season at six and three over under. Their average game has gone under, uh, excuse me, gone over by plus 3.4 points per game. Texas long. Longhorns are pretty much a middle-of-the-road over-under team, four and five on the season. What I do like and what's possibly pointing me in the direction of the over in this game is the fact that you've got some really outstanding Big 12 offenses squaring off in this particular game. TCU, number four offense in the entire country. They're over 500 yards per game. 
They can do it either way. 289 through the 220 on the ground for TCU. Texas is not far behind. They're ranked in the top 30 in offense as well at 447. And uh, like their counterparts, they can do it to you on the road. Um, excuse me, uh, with 192 rushing yards per game. And even via the air at 255 passing yards per game. Not to mention, Mark, that we got two of the uh, below-average defenses in all of college football. TCU ranked number 86. They're giving up almost 400 yards per game. 396 to be exact. Excites me about a potential shootout is that they're ranked number 94 in pass defense, allowing 250 yards per game. Meanwhile, the Longhorns, even worse, ranked 102 against the pass. So you can very well see a shootout between Quinn Evers. Uh, for the Longhorns, of course, they've got multiple impactful players on their offense. It looks like Quinn Evers is pretty much a keeper. I can't wait to see running back Bijan Robinson and wide receiver Xavier Worthy playing in the NFL. Plus, it looks like with the Longhorns' hot um, hot record as of late, that they're getting more explosive by the week as three of their best offensive yardage outputs have come in the last four weeks. For the Longhorns, you know, on the flip side, we've been patiently waiting for the right time and the right situation to pull the trigger on a TCU over, and this could very well be the week. But for me, Mark, it's going to all come down, actually, to the health of star receiver Quinton Johnson of the horn. You know, in last week's game against Texas Tech, the TCU passing game just didn't look as explosive uh, as they normally do as they scored a season-low 34 points and Max Dugan had a season-low in passing yards with only 195. The difference? Quinton Johnson did not play outside of the first couple of snaps of the game as he then tweaked that same ankle that he rolled basically a week prior. So what we're going to recommend in regards to this game is hold off, follow Sonny Dyke's late-week press conferences, and if Johnson and his blazing speed are a go, then we're going to play the over in the TCU-Texas game. I mean, the TCU pass offense has destroyed everyone all season long, Johnson puts him over to the top. Again, follow the injury reports. If he plays, we see a final score of about 38 to 32, and we'll be going with TCU and Texas over the total. Victor wants that full deck of cards to play this game over the total. Check that injury for the wide receiver, Johnson, for TCU before you make that play along with Victor in this big game on Saturday. Mentioned here coming into this football contest here, TCU is ranked number four across the board, and all that would be the coaches' poll, the AP, and the college football playoff poll. And they've had this flair for dramatic second-half comebacks this football season here. I have personally been fading this football throughout these second-half comebacks, and I just scratch my head in amazement at how they keep beating me and beating me and beating me. They did it again last week against Texas Tech who had a lead going into the fourth quarter of that game and somehow walked away with nothing. But that's what TCU is all about. It instills confidence in this football team. They don't ever at any point feel like they're out of the game. 
And if they happen to trail Italy, you won't see this football team sulking or throwing any sort of a white flag at all. They'll be going at it from start to finish in the contest. Last year, they suffered a home loss. They'll have revenge for that home loss that they suffered to Texas last year. And the good news for the Horn Frogs is they have gone into Austin and come out with the money five of the last six times they played there. So they've had pretty good success as the visiting team inside this series. Texas comes in here, ranked number 18 in the AP and the coaches poll, but number 23 poll. And that's probably a little bit more indicative of the fact that they're a three-loss football team. So the question I have to ask our listeners out there and our viewers is, why is a three-loss football team favored by a team? It's sort of mind-boggling in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, name and reputation for Texas, perhaps. As Victor says, they're playing arguably their best football of the season right now. Texas is. That's probably part of it as well. Uh, equation here. And also, maybe a little bit of what I just mentioned here about TCU's fortuitous finishes in their football games this year. Maybe it hasn't enthralled the odds makers to that point. And that big injury as well. I think that's more, probably a bigger part of this line as anything else is. The other part, thing I want to mention about Texas, they're the number 74 ranked three with most penalties per game, 6.4. TCU is only number 23 in the country, so you're not likely lags being thrown at TCU as you are at Texas in this football game. Coming into the contest here, you also have a Texas football team that ranks number 74 overall in total team defense. What I like in this game and why I'm going to go to TCU, number one, I look for undefeated dogs this stage of the football season. When you're in the November, you're undefeated. There's a reason you're undefeated. And to give the, a team like this points, it's sort of a Rodney Dangerfield type situation. But look inside the stats of these two football teams. Texas has played nine games this year. They've been out yarded in five of those contests. TCU has played nine games this year, and they've been outstanded in only one game this year. So they're not about to be pushed around the field in this football game, TCU. If they win the stats, I'll take it. Seven points with any team that would do just that, especially an undefeated team. Give me the Horn Frogs, plus the points are my same. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most handicapping talk show. With Victor King for going against the spread on this week college and pro football cards and victor let's hop over to the nfl side of things for our feature game of the week and we've got a pretty intriguing game if for no other reason we're from cleveland ohio we're living down here in miami why not put cleveland and miami on the top of our bill list this week because this should be a pretty promising good looking football game victor how do you see the dolphins and the browns shaking out on sunday Right you are, Mark. You know, obviously the NFL game of the week, there's only one game featuring two teams that are winning teams, and that's the Buffalo-Minnesota game. So it's certainly worthy, but we don't know the status of Josh Allen, if he's going to be playing in that game or not. So uh, we're going with our second-choice game. And before I get into it, Mark, you know, um, it's kind of weird here. Here we are almost in the middle of November, and we're kind of battening our down here in South as we've got another late visit from Mother Nature, are you kidding me? We got a potential oh category one or category two hurricane that should be hitting us oh sometime tomorrow. Uh, while it should be only high winds and some flooding, it's a little bit surprising because you know normally the cutoff is right around November fifteenth. No more hurricanes after November fifteenth. But uh, again, uh, Mother Nature. Uh, it, 
in the way that she does is hitting us uh, down here in the, the uh, Sunshine State at the very, very end of the hurricane season. Now, how that'll impact this particular game, Mark, we don't know yet. It could still be windy uh, on Sunday. It could still be rainy. Uh, either way, um, we'll pay attention to the weather report once we get into the weekend. As far as the Browns and the Dolphins go, the over-under line in the game opened at 46.5 points. It has been bet up to 48.5. There's even a couple of 49s out there. And, heck, we're not surprised, given the fact that, what, Cleveland is 5-3 and three over under on the season, 49.9 combined points per game uh, in Cleveland Browns games this season. The Dolphins, 4-5 and five over under on the season, 48.6 is their number uh, combined points per game on the year. The home and away splits, though, tell me a lot. The fact that the Browns have gone 4-1 and one to the over at home, 52.6. But only 1-2 and two in their three road games, only 45.3 combined points per game. And the Dolphins, I mean, this tells you it all. When the Dolphins are on the road this season, four out of their five games have gone over the total 60.8 combined points per game. They've only played four home games, but all four of them have gone under the this season. Only 33.2 combined points per game. Now, again, I know that a lot of you on the over in this game, based on a couple of factors, Miami's offense, heck, they're putting out these explosive numbers with Tua as of late. And uh, one side note that I got today in a tweet, which I thought was kind of cute, was that Tua might be a dolphin, but he walks on water. That's what they say down here in <laughs> South <like> Florida. <laughs> Again, the Dolphins 2-0 and to the over in their last two games, and we were on Dolphin overs in each of the last two weeks. Last week against the Bears, two weeks ago against the Lions. We cashed over winners both weeks. With that said, however, I like the under in the game. The extreme home and away over under splits for both teams cannot be ignored. I also pulled a couple of numbers out of the database. The fact that both teams are fairly weak on offense, both are allowing 24.9 points per game on the season. From the database, last 20 years, NFL games in November or December have gone 59% under the total when both teams allow 24 or more points per game and the over-under line is less than 50 points. Uh, that includes 70% under in just the last two seasons alone. Uh, we've got the fact that Cleveland is off a buy, and our database tells us that in the last four years, NFL road dogs of less than a touchdown after their bye week have gone one and 11 over under. Uh, obviously, we just talked about the fact that Miami erupted on offense on the road, scoring 35 and 31 in their last two games. With that said, the database tells us that home favorites of back-to-back road wins in which they scored 31 or more offense, they've gone a perfect 0 and 10 to the under when the uh-huh. over-under line is less than 51 points. So, I mean, the bottom line is this. Cleveland knows they cannot win a shootout against Miami. They would be very, very smart to keep the ball on the ground with their number three ranked rushing game. 
play a conservative ball control type game and limit Miami's offensive possessions. Give me the under down here in South Florida as Miami hosts Cleveland. Victor stays under the total in the Dolphins-Browns showdown game on Sunday. And by the way, people, if you're listening or watching the show, those numbers, those great numbers that Victor just runs by you, the, the database doesn't just spit those out, okay? No. Victor goes in there and he finds those numbers. You have to ask the questions to get the answers, okay? And that's exactly what Victor does. He asks the question and he gets the answers. So nowhere you're going to find information like, like that other than the database or from Victor King. And a lot of that is inside the weekly totals tip sheet. So do yourself a favor. If you haven't got your copy yet this week, do so right now. Taking a look at this football game between the Dolphins and the Browns, Miami Dolphins come into this football contest, the most improved team in the National Football League, probably. New York Jets are pretty good. New York Giants are pretty good, okay? Miami was a cut above them, at least coming into the season, but Miami's pulling away from them right now as we're speaking, and it's because of this hot offense, Tua Tang of Iola, and the two top wide receivers in college football. What a one-two tandem this is. How'd you like to be a defensive back facing this juggernaut? Uh, Jalen Waddle, my goodness, and Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is on pace to set the National Football League record for most receiving yards in one season. Uh, it's very, very difficult to stop a one-two tandem like that. But you've also got a team in the Cleveland Browns whose defense right now is improving as we're speaking. They have a week of rest. They've uh, they got the wounded back. They've got Denzel Ward back, who is their all-pro bowl cornerback. He's back for this football game. So suddenly you put these defensive players in place that can go out there and play a chess match with Miami. Makes a totally different look about the over-under in the contest, and that's exactly where Victor was going to with this underside in the football game. Miami struggled in games when coming off back-to-back -back NFC opponents. They're just 3-8 and eight to the spread, and they've also lost the money seven of the last eight times in this series against the Browns. Cleveland comes in, they trail Baltimore by two and a half games in their division. This is the critical key game of the year, as far as I'm concerned, for the Cleveland Browns, because you've got Deshaun Watson coming here back in three weeks. The Browns win this football game. They win again next week. They're going to play Baltimore down the road. They can, they're going to control their own destinies, what the Browns are going to do. Now they're healthy. Their defense is coming back. And if you take a look... Pro Football Focus ranks the two number one players offensively and defensively in the National Football League this year, both players on the Cleveland Browns roster. Defensively, Miles Garrett, the best defensive player in the National Football League. Offensively, I would have thought it was Nick Chubb. They didn't make Nick Chubb the guy. Joe Batonio, the guard, the offensive guard, the number one ranked offensive player in the National Football League this year. So the Browns have some a little bit of counter, if you will, to that one-two Miami wide receiver punch that they have coming up here with talent of their own in this contest here. Bottom line to me, Kevin Stefanski has been really good as an underdog with the Browns, 11-6 and six to the spread, but he's a perfect 5-0 and oh in those games as the dog if he beat the team that he's taking points from this game. That's exactly what he did. He beat Miami the last time he played them. I lay Cleveland plus the points in the upset in this football game. You're tuned in to Mark Lawrence against the spread, the nation's most popular sports handicapping talk show. It's time for one of our favorite segments on the show as we hop out to Las Vegas and check with our good friend Andy Isco to get the Vegas vibe to find out what's going on in Las Vegas this weekend. And with that, um, welcome, welcome Andy to the show. And Andy, how's everything going for you in Vegas right now? 
Mark, everything's going nicely. Uh, we got through Election Day, which was a dreary day from a weather standpoint, but we had a lot of people show up to vote. We're still finding out the results of the elections uh, from our local things. But uh, uh, we uh, did also have some football action on Tuesday night as part of that month-long uh, parade of uh, MAC action and other games during the Tuesday, Wednesday part of the week. So I'm looking forward to another good week as the NFL has reached the uh, midpoint of the season, having played nine weeks. Games become a little bit more meaningful now, and we have a pretty good idea of what these teams are all about, which teams are regressing from where they were at the start, which teams are improving, and which teams have been playing very steady uh, since uh, since week one. And I'm going to run this question by you here, unbeknownst to you. I'm just going to lay it on you. I just want your opinion, uh, because one of our uh, coffee club members sent this question in to me. And I addressed it, it'll be in tomorrow's coffee club. And he asked me, second half of the football season, what NFL team would you buy a ticket on to make the playoffs that would be a long shot right now? Not expected to make the playoffs, but right now considered a long shot to make the playoffs. Which team would you be on your ticket that you would go out and buy right now, Andy? Yeah, I really would, would, would have to think about that a little bit because some of the teams that come to mind have already been reduced in the odds. Teams such as Seattle, teams, teams such as the Giants, teams such as the Jets, who are playing well enough in the first half to, if they, and I don't know if some places have offshore because, of course, before the season starts, they had uh, odds on each team's ability or each team's likelihood of making the playoffs, usually you know, minus 180, plus 140, et cetera, like that. And so those teams that I just mentioned uh, had considerably long uh, uh, pluses on the, their likelihood of making the playoffs. So I suppose the way to approach this question might be teams that have been struggling through the first part of the season and whose odds would have increased, whereas right now they don't look like they're going to be playoff teams. I think maybe the most disappointing team right now has to be the Green Bay Packers, I don't know that they can make a run at the playoffs, although they do have a revenge game coming up with, with Minnesota, and they'll also play Detroit again, who beat them, and they've also already beaten Chicago once. But I'm going to go with a team that I think just uh, has talent. They fought through some injuries, and that's the Los Angeles Chargers playing in the uh, AFC West. This is a team with a quarterback in, in Herbert who continues to improve game by game. He's got some decent weapons when they're fully healthy. When Allen is back, for example, uh, he's going to have one of the better wide receivers in the game. Running game will be more effective once the passing game gets back on track. And they've already got a solid defense that uh, is expecting some players back over the next few weeks. So I think in that division where the Raiders have been a major disappointment, Kansas, still is, Kansas City is still the best team to beat in that division. And you've got a Denver team, which also is a team that I think can make a bit of a run. I think we started to see something in London with Russell Wilson feeling a lot more comfortable. And we know they have a good defense. But when I compare the Chargers and the Broncos, I give, an, I give the edge to the Chargers simply because of the overall balance on their roster. Their defense is good enough to keep them in games when the offense is playing well. And Denver's defense is good enough to keep them in the game when the offense isn't going well. And the offense hasn't really gone well all season. They haven't been able to show much of an adjustment. So I'll, I'll nominate the uh, L.A. Chargers as my team that uh, could make the playoffs. We're not talking about winning the Super Bowl here. We're talking about making the playoffs. I think the Chargers have an excellent chance of being a wild card. I expect them to go on a short-term run. I'm going to put Andy down for the L.A. Chargers 
perhaps on the proviso that Brandon Staley does not get in the way because there is a lot of talent on that football team. That is, good, by good the way, you, you, you did mention the one concern I have, which is similar to a concern that I would have for Denver, and that's coaching. We, we fail to realize sometimes how important coaching is when the fans in the stands know what plays are going to work and which ones aren't going to work better than the coaches seem to. That's a concern. Yeah, that's a problem. There's no question about that. When the fans have all the answers and they're the correct answer. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, getting the vibe of what's going on in Las Vegas this particular week. If you haven't downloaded Andy's newsletter and would like to check it out, log on at TheLogicalApproach.com. It'll be a well worth your time and one of the best newsletters, as I say, on the market today. Andy, Let's do what we always do this time of the of the week here and visit and check out what's going on in the contest in Las Vegas. And I know in the end, we always get to the survivor and a little bit of buzz going up. But first of all, let's do it as you usually do about what you saw on the contest results from last week. Sure. And I always start by mentioning the uh, Golden Nugget standings. This is the, college, the contest that combines college and pro selections, a high-end contest, so to say, with a $1,000 entry fee. Only 128 entries this year. The result's a little bit surprising that they're not stronger at the top because college football is the forte of many who enter this contest because there are many, many entrants in this contest that exclusively handicap and bet college football as opposed to the NFL. So they'll basically leave the NFL games aside, let the expertise uh, of, of others in that contest who are in multiple contests, including the Circa and Westgate, for example, and they'll try to uh, uh, win the contest uh, based upon their ability in college football, where there are more games to choose from as every game is on the board. Uh, through the uh, first nine weeks of the standings, uh, two contestants are tied with a total of uh, 41 out of a possible 63 points, uh, getting one point for a win, one point for a push. That's just 65.1%, which sounds very, very good, but, but usually with the college contest part of the uh, Golden Nugget, we've often seen uh, players, especially at this time of the year where we're only halfway through, well into the low to mid 70s. So maybe uh, more disappointing results from college football this year for many of the contestants. So two contestants tied at 65.1%, two more at 64.3%, and it goes down from there. Uh, turning now, though, to the ma two main uh, actually, three main uh, with the two circuit contest. Uh, actually, four with the super contest gold, but the Westgate contest. Five games a week against the static NFL point spread. Uh, I follow and report on the consensus plays, the top five most popular selections each week. Through the first eight weeks of the contest, they were hitting exactly 60%, 24 Winners, 16 uh, point spread losers, no pushes. In week nine this past weekend, the top pick uh, was the uh, Washington Commanders, plus three and a half. That was a winner. Other winners this week, the Tampa Bay Bucks laying two and a half in the contest. That line closed at three in their overtime three-point win over the uh, uh, Rams. So the Bucks did cover the contest. And Seattle taking plus two. Uh, from uh, Arizona, winning that game rather comfortably. Those were three winners. There was one losing selection this week, and that was the Las Vegas Raiders laying a point and a half. I actually, I think I wrote down laying an egg instead of the point spread, but both would apply here as they <laughs> lost last week badly to Jacksonville. Third time this year, they've surrendered a 17-point uh, lead uh, in a contest that they did not win. One push this week, the Atlanta Falcons taking plus three uh, at home against the aforementioned uh, uh, L.A. Chargers. That resulted in a point spread push for a weekly record against the spread for the top five plays of three, one, and one. 
bringing the nine volts halfway point, 45 selections, 27, 17, and 1, 61.1%. Now, as far as the leaders go, here we do have uh, some leaders hitting at 70%. Uh, three contestants are tied with 32.5 out of a possible uh, 63 points. That's 72.2%. Uh, five contestants, a half point back at 32, that's 71.1. And at 31 and a half out of a possible, uh, six, uh, not 63, uh, excuse me, it's 45 points. 63 was the uh, uh, golden nugget. 32 and a half, 72.2% out of 45 picks. 32 for five contestants and three more contestants at 31 and a half of 45 selections. That's exactly 70%. The Super Contest Gold, which is uh, similar in structure to uh, the Westgate Super Contest just mentioned, a $5,000 winner take all uh, with the entry fee. Uh, this is starting to separate itself a little bit. Uh, the top five places are all held by one, not one person, but there's only one one person in each position. The leader has 32 out of 45. That's 71.1%. One more contestant, a point back at 31. That's just under 69%. And it goes down for uh, one person in third, one person in fourth, one person in fifth. So that's the, uh, the Westgate review for this week. Uh, the contest that has now taken over as uh, the uh, most popular contest in Las Vegas as far as uh, non-survivor status is the Circa Millions contest attracting uh, uh, more than twice as many entries this year as the uh, Westgate Super Contest, just shade under 4,700 entries to be precise. And through the first eight weeks of the contest, their consensus, 32, excuse me, 22, 17 and one 56.3 percent so a little bit worse than what was good than what we saw in the westgate uh the top five selections very similar in many respects to what we saw in the westgate however the number one selection which was a winner uh the seattle uh seahawks plus two they were a winner as mentioned against arizona the chicago bears plus five was the other winner of the consensus this week and of course they lost at home by three to the miami dolphins there was one losing selection amongst the top five and once again it was the las vegas raiders laying the point and a half and losing outright at jacksonville and two games ended up as being pushes amongst the top five selections uh, the Atlanta Falcons uh, plus three against the Chargers. Again, they lost by a field goal. And surprisingly, we had the Commanders plus three and a half as the top selection in the Westgate. Uh, they lost at home to the Minnesota Vikings. The line was three and a half in Westgate. It was three in the Circa Millions. Wow. And the Vikings were one of the top five selections. So they get a push winning by just three points. So the consensus at the Circa for the week, two up, one down, two pushes. Moving the nine-week results for the consensus, 24, 18, and 3. That's 56.7%, uh, almost exactly what it was uh, last when it was 56.3. As far as the standings go, the uh, we have uh, four positions that are hitting above 70 right now. Again, 45 selections. One contestant alone in the lead at 33.5, which is 74.4%. Then... Uh, one point back at 32 and a half. You've got five contestants, a half point further back, four, and then a half point at 31 and a half, a half point further back. Uh, you've got six contestants. So uh, that's the results for the uh, two exclusive NFL, uh, the three actually con uh, con uh, NFL contests uh, where you're picking five games in the NFL against the spread. Now we get down to the 
Circuit Survivor, which has taken a beating throughout the season, so much so that for the past two weeks we've had 125 or fewer contestants uh, remaining out of an opening field of 6,133. <laughs> Basically heading into week eight, 123 was still remaining after just two were, inter- were eliminated in, uh, uh, in week seven. That still represents 2.01% of the original field. Uh, of these selections uh, that the contestants had this week, it was a very good week for the remaining 123. 47 contestants advanced with a pick on the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, this contest, you're just picking a straight-up winner. You can only use a team once throughout the season. The Eagles and the Bengals each came in with 24 contestants advancing with their wins. 18 had the Patriots over the Colts. That was a winner that advanced. And then the Miami Dolphins selected by two contestants. That also won. So 115 of the 123 contestants advanced. Eight were eliminated. Seven were on the Buffalo Bills. One was on the Arizona Cardinals. So uh, remaining through week nine, 1.88% 1.88% 115, and then again, to put that into context from last year, when there were just under 4,100 entries, we still had 686 entrants alive halfway into the season, or just under 17%, so quite a decline, and of course, it's getting a little bit tougher as now there have been nine teams that each of the remaining 115 contestants can no longer use the rest of the way. Andy, were you a little bit surprised that uh, with Buffalo losing that more people were not knocked out? Or do you figure that maybe people were saving Buffalo for Thanksgiving week? That's exactly what I think it was. They were saving it for Thanksgiving week because uh, of the teams playing on Thanksgiving. Um, of course, we don't know now what's going on with Josh Allen and his elbow, uh, but certainly there's plenty of time that uh, he should be fully uh, uh, up to uh, 100% by the time Thanksgiving comes around and uh, most the most likely team, uh, some of the teams that uh, were being considered uh, Dallas uh, would be one I think that players have been saving because I don't recall seeing the Cowboys getting a significant amount of support for most of the weeks in this contest and I think a lot of that has to do with uh, Thanksgiving. One other note real quickly Andy, you and I talked about it before, there was a fellow who had six tickets in the survivor contest that were alive and he used all six tickets on the Buffalo bills. Now that's he, a crushing law. It is. He had been employing that strategy since the start of the season, which is, which when you think about it is, uh, you know, a very aggressive strategy, but it's also one that if successful and obviously it had, it had been successful through the first eight weeks that it gives you greater flexibility coming down the stretch. It's kind of like people who, pull their money together and let's say for like the last man standing contest at stations casino you get you know 100 people together it's got like a hundred and fifty thousand dollar first prize and you group yourselves together so that you go seven or eight weeks playing both sides of the same game and you've still got several hundred tickets remaining when the field for example in that contest which is a local contest here in vegas started with six thousand uh, entries it's 20 it's effectively twenty dollars an entry you buy four at 25 you get a fifth for free started with a little over six thousand entries has a hundred and fifty thousand dollar uh, guaranteed pool for the, the winner and they're down to 10 entries right now through through nine weeks of the season. So right. uh, the aggressive strategy that uh, uh, that contestant had playing all six worked for eight weeks. And as you and I talked about, uh, and I think you had the answer for me because I hadn't heard it, is he had an excellent chance with a $6,000 investment and the Jets as a huge money line underdog last week to at least make a hedge to A, get his entry fee back and 
make a bit of a profit. He it wouldn't have cost all that much relatively for him, for example, to have bet the Jets on the money line and uh, collect say twenty thousand uh, dollars. If he advances, he would have uh, uh, he he would have uh, uh, reduced his possibility of entry, you know, by twenty thousand of what he would collect out of a guaranteed six million dollar prize fund if he were the last sole survivor. Well, you know, there's there's strategies, and obviously there was one being employed by that individual, and uh, he also said he would do the same thing next year, but perhaps he could hedge in that particular situation as opposed to not as opposed to letting everything roll with that one particular game plan of using all those same teams on the same given week. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. We're getting the scoop on what's going on in Vegas contest-wise and odds-wise. And speaking about odds-wise, Andy, how about a look at some of the look-ahead lines that were put out earlier on in the season and maybe even last week for what we've got upcoming here this weekend? Yeah, Mark, uh, the uh, Westgate put out every game, all 200 and what is it now, 272 games of the uh, 17-game, 18-week regular season schedule. And they're available for much of the summer. And then, of course, uh, they'll have those games up. I, I don't know if they – they may still be keeping them up. They do make revisions each week for the look-ahead lines, the 10-day look-ahead lines that uh, they do have higher limits than they have on these. But we can expect a lot of changes from where things were over the summer to right now where half the season has been played. So, for example, uh, and I'll point out a couple of those this week, the Thursday night game, the rematch between Atlanta and Carolina. Over the summer, the Panthers were three-point home favorites. And now when the 10-day advance line came out a week ago Tuesday, Atlanta was posted as a one-point road favorite prior to last week's games, the games of week nine. They were reposted on Sunday afternoon after most of the Sunday action had been played, and the Falcons were reposted as a three-point road favorite. Since then, it's come down to two and a half for the Thursday night game. One of the more significant ones, and again, it's understandable based upon how these season, how these teams have performed thus far in the season. Over the summer, Tampa Bay hosting Seattle uh, in, well, not hosting, playing them in London. Well, we knew a game was going to be in London. Uh, Tampa Bay was a nine-point favorite in that game over the summer. Wow. The 10-day advance line after eight weeks had been played had that reduced to the Bucks a two-point favorite, neutral sites favorite. It then got reposted later in the day as a one-point uh, uh, favorite. It's been bet back up now a little bit above that uh, 10-day line to two-and-a-half. Uh, the, the biggest mover of the week is the one that I sort of alluded to a moment ago uh, reviewing uh, uh, some of the contest information, and that's the Buffalo Bills hosting the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Over the summer, the Bills uh, expected to be a Super Bowl contender. The Vikings expected to have a chance to contend for probably a wild card in the same division with Green Bay. Buffalo, an eight-point favorite over the summer, and that made sense. Based upon how these teams have started, when the line was reposted uh, uh, for the 10-day advance line, Buffalo was a nine-and-a-half-point uh, home favorite in that game. And then on Sunday evening, this past Sunday evening, after most of Week Nine's games had been played, Buffalo was posted as a nine-point favorite. That followed Buffalo's loss to the Jets and Minnesota's field goal win in Washington. Then, after a couple of days, the news came out that uh, uh, quarterback Allen, Josh Allen of the Bills, had 
injured his elbow on one of the late plays in the game against the Jets, and they didn't take the game off the board, but they moved the line down steadily, so much so that uh, even today, the line is down to three and a half. That suggests wow. that Allen is more likely not to play than he is to play. Uh, when the when the line uh, was it, it was taken off briefly and put back up, I believe it came back up at like six and a half. So at that point, Allen was still questionable, the severity of the injury. Now, as we record this on Wednesday, it's been reported that Allen is being called day-to-day, and he has not. Uh, he did not practice on Wednesday. He hasn't been ruled out, and uh, a note's been made, or if it has been made, has not been announced. Keep in mind that there is a veteran back to uh, Josh Allen in the na- by the name of Case Keenum. In fact, he played for the Vikings about five, six years ago, led them to the NFC Championship game in his one really good season as uh, effectively a full-time starter. I think he did start all 16 or maybe 15 of those games. Um, So if you you are – if A, you believe Allen will play, which is I think the more unlikely scenario – or more likely, if you believe that Keenum will get the start and play, you might want to consider playing Buffalo now at minus three and a half. If this line shoots back up, if Keenum is announced as a starter, maybe it goes down half a point to three, because I think that's already factored in to this line at, at uh, three and a half. And keep in mind, uh, when you're talking about uh, backup quarterbacks, yeah, he's not the most experienced but he's playing for a team with one of the outstanding defenses in the uh, uh, in the NFL, and you've got a couple of players on Buffalo going up against their former teammates like uh, Stephon Diggs, who might uh, be able to uh, make a little bit of a statement. So that that explains one of the unusual line moves, but it's understandable, even though there's no certainty about uh, the situation that caused the line move. Uh, Miami over the summer was a two and a half point. Uh, home favorite over Cleveland, the game you talked about before. Uh, when the line came out in 10 days in advance, the Dolphins were favored by five and a half. So that was a three point adjustment from the summer. And that line was reposted Sunday down a bit to four and a half. It's come down further to three and a half. So there's been a lot of support for Cleveland over the last uh, uh, 10 days. Uh, Pittsburgh, a one point home favorite over the Saints over the summer. When the 10 day advance line came out, the line had switched to the Saints being a two and a half point road favorite, which is where it reopened and where it remained. So uh, I think that when that line opened, Pittsburgh won over the summer. The bookmakers knew that it was expected to be a down season for the Steelers because A, they were going to have to play a rookie quarterback because Roethlisberger had retired by that time, or B, uh, they, I, I think they had already signed Trubisky as uh, the likely starter before they gave uh, before they turned things over to uh, uh, to Kenny Pickett. Uh, a couple of others: the Raiders, one-point favorites over the uh, summer against the Indianapolis Colts. The 10-day advance line, even with the Raiders, who had just come off that 24-nothing loss at New Orleans, were put back up at three and a half point uh, home favorites. And surprisingly enough, after they lost to Jacksonville and Indianapolis had lost 26 to three at new England. The, the coaching change had not occurred yet with Frank Reich. The Raiders still were put up as five and a half point home favorite, which is hard to understand. It has since gone up to six and that's after the news about Frank Reich and the fact that they'll be uh, using someone, uh, Jeff Saturday now named the interim coach and they'll be using someone who's never called a play in an NFL game before to call plays. Of course, it can't be much worse than what we've seen out of the Colts offense yeah, figure, already this figure season. That. Sorry. Another one that's of interest, the Green Bay Packers hosting the Dallas Cowboys. Over the summer, the Packers 
four and a half point home favorites with everything that's gone on with the excellent play of Dallas coming off of their bye this week. And the uh, Packers struggles with Aaron Rodgers, one of the worst games of his career last week against Detroit. The 10-day advance line, this is before the Packers game last week, had the Cowboys three. They reopened Sunday night at three and a half. They've been bid up to five. And the final game I'll mention, and this will come as no surprise, and that's the Monday night game, Philadelphia hosting uh, Washington. Over the summer, the Eagles were favored by four points. Now, keep in mind, Eagles made the playoffs last year, and yet uh, they were favored by four just seems like a small number. It's obviously a small number because when the 10-day advance line came up, uh, the Eagles were 10-point home favorites. I don't know that I would have made them 10-point home favorites back in the summer. I might have made them six- or seven-point favorites. Anyway, the game was reposted after last week's action with the Eagles. Again, a 10-point home favorite. Been bet up to 11 favoring the Eagles over the rifle Washington. That's the update from Andy on the advanced lines from Las Vegas on this weekend's football card. And Andy, before we let you hop out to Vegas for this weekend's games, get ready and prepared. What are you looking at for your complimentary play on the card, if you will? Uh, There are a number of games that I could have used. I think you may be talking about one coming up. Uh, I'm going to take a look at the game between Kansas City and uh, Jacksonville. And just to go over that line, Kansas City over the summer favored by 11 at home over Jacksonville, uh, the uh, advance line 10 days in advance, nine and a half. That's where it opened on Sunday night. And it actually got as high as 10. It's back down to nine and a half. And it somewhat looks like it's a it's an interesting line because Kansas City was a 14 point favorite this past Sunday against Tennessee, a team that is considerably better than the Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars. So uh, it's a bit of a surprise. But on the other hand, maybe not so much a surprise uh, last week, of course, against the foe that had given them trouble in recent uh, uh, weeks. The Chiefs rallied to force overtime before beating those Tennessee Titans. Meanwhile, Jacksonville, as alluded to before, they overcame that 17-0 deficit uh, to defeat the Raiders 27-20. Jacksonville is clearly improved this season, although they are just three and six. However, However, each of those six losses have been by eight points or less. So maybe that's why this line has opened and effectively remains below double digits. It'll be the most potent offense that the Jags will have faced so far this season. Kansas City leads the NFL in scoring at 30.4 points per game, second in total offense at 415 yards per game, and first in passing offense at 312 yards per game. One thing to note, the Chiefs are taking a big drop in class. Their last five games were against teams that made the playoffs last season. Kansas City won four of the five. The one loss was to uh, Buffalo. And, of course, with the uh, loss by Buffalo to the Jets, it puts Kansas City back in position to potentially be the top seed in the AFC at the end of the season. Uh, uh, Last week against the, the Raiders, was just the second time Jacksonville had played a team that made the playoffs last year. And, of course, they rallied to win that game. The first was an earlier 29-21 loss at Philadelphia. If you remember that game, Jacksonville jumped out to an early 14-0 lead, and uh, Philadelphia came back to uh, win that game by by eight. I think the class drop becomes evident here. I think we we should be seeing a poised effort uh, from Kansas City, especially with the fact that Buffalo lost last week. Jacksonville going up in class, Kansas City taking a huge drop in class. And again, I can't a 14 point favorite against Tennessee now drops down, even though even though Jacksonville has played close 
close games. Look at who Kansas City has played. They're gonna. They are not going to face. They should not face the resistance this week against the Jaguars that they faced against those playoff teams that they played and defeated in the previous five weeks. Four of them. So you're going in. So in this football game, your side will be. I am laying the nine and a half with Kansas City. I, I, that's right. That's what I thought as much. Yeah. Big, big value to the football game. I was wondering, is he going to go to Jacksonville? Is he going to go to Kansas City? I, uh, I was I trying to explain. I was trying to explain the as best I could why the line is as low as it is. But then, when you consider it again, and I think the the quality of competition that Kansas City has faced maybe suggests that as improved as Jacksonville is, this is a big step up in class versus a team taking a big step down in class, and I think this is relevant information that uh, might explain. That's not to say Jacksonville won't give them a good game. They certainly could. I mean, the coach Peterson, you know, great in Philadelphia. He really has this team performing well, but there's still some issues with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback and some defensive concerns. Very good. Andy Isco on the Kansas City Chiefs. He's going to lay the value with minus the nine and a half points over the Jaguars for his complimentary call on the show this week. Andy, as always, a great job on the show, and I'm going to wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's hope the ball bounces your way this week, and we'll look forward to catching up with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Victor, and uh, best of success to all of our listeners slash viewers, and uh, hopefully for a winning week to start the second half of the NFL regular season. Thank you so much. That was Andy Isco joining us from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. Let's move over to our next segment here. I'll share with you my awesome angle of the week before Victor and I move on to our top complimentary plays on the show ourselves this week as well. Our angle this week, we call it Cloud Nine. This comes from one of my songs, our favorite Rolling Stone song, I should say. It was penned in the Black Book with an article wrapped around it. And what we're looking to do is in Game 9 of the National Football League season, we're going to play on any 500 or less home dog of fewer than three points if they were a playoff team last year. That's the role here in this particular game for the Pittsburgh Steelers, a playoff team last year at home catching less than three, record 500 or less. That record is 15-4 and four against the spread. That's a 79% point spread angle play on the Pittsburgh Steelers for our Cloud Nine Awesome Angle Play of the Week. And with that, let's hand it off to Victor King for a complimentary call. And Victor, if you would, please, let our listeners know what you've got on tap this weekend as well. Sure thing, Mark. Let's not forget about our Playbook Newsletter Special. You can get all three of our newsletters, the Midweek Alert, the Totals Tip Sheet, the Playbook Newsletter, three for a quarter. That's $25 for all three of this week's newsletters. And, of course, that's at the PlaybookSports.com website. Here's the headline for this week's Playbook Newsletter. As you can see, the five bets have done very, very well over the last month of play. And one of my favorite articles is Mark's Bet You Didn't Know on page two. This week, his bet you didn't know angle is paying tribute to Elton John and Candle in the Wind, and it's got a fantastic college football system that applies to one of this week's undefeated teams. It's required reading uh, on page two of this week's Playbook Football Newsletter. And you know, Mark, for our free play this week, I'll get into it in just a second. We're going to give the ball to Tuco again. But uh, we've got a, in the NFL this week, 
Heck, if you're not, again, betting the unders, you're not turning a profit this week. So in the early one o'clock window, there's only one game that we are going over the total. And that uh, three star over the total in the early kickoffs will be available later today. That's Wednesday evening. Again, at the playbooksports.com website. It's the only over that we are going to be betting on during the uh, one o'clock kickoff games. And again, it will be available at the playbook sports dot com website and for our free play of the week mark let me get into uh, our totals tip sheet and we're going to give the ball to tuco who's heading back to sin city in week 10 he's going to be playing on the la Raiders to score over their team total of 24 and a half points against the indianapolis colts we talked about the difficulties for both of these teams Earlier in the podcast during our uh, NFL segment, how difficult it's been for both teams, particularly for the um, Las Vegas offense when they're on the road. But the timing is perfect for us here. Uh, I know the Raiders have only scored 18 points per game in their road games, but at home, they are the third highest scoring team in the league this season, averaging 30. 1.0 points per game. That's more than seven points higher than their individual overline. Dealing with what has been a high-scoring series as of late, as uh, this Colts and Raiders series has gone four and one to the over in the last five meetings, and Vegas has averaged 28.4 points per game on offense in those games. When running a division versus division query, we also get this from the database. AFC West, home favorites are greater than three points, like the Raiders, have averaged 30.4 points per game against any AFC South opponent. And, of course, as mentioned above, the Raiders pretty much uh, kind of crapped out in their last two games with back-to-back road favorite losses in a row on the road against New Orleans on the road last week against Jacksonville in the last years NFL home favorites off back-to-back road favorite losses like the Raiders have averaged 28.0 points per game and of course the Colts heck I know they are a big time under team They're in a multiple game losing and under streak, but we'll close with this out of the database. Non-division road underdogs of three or more points who are off three or more straight up in ATS losses in a row that all went under the total, like the Colts have allowed 30.6 points per game. Heck, in terms of the actual uh, game itself, we're not betting the overrun, but we're giving Tuco the ball with a team total He's playing on the Raiders to score over their team total of 24 and a half points. Good luck to you this week for King's best friend. And don't forget, Mark, that that uh, three-star over in the early kickoffs will be available at the Playbook Sports website. And with that said, Mark, what are your plans in football? Well, I've got a pretty big weekend on tap this weekend. calling it our fan appreciation week it's going to be a big weekend of college and nfl football games this weekend and it's going to be on with our nfl revenge game of the month 
We made a big score last week with our college football revenge play of the year when Notre Clemson straight up on the scoreboard. We're coming to our NFL Revenge Play of the Month on Sunday. It's part of a $69 Fan Appreciation Weekend of Winners. To get on board, log on at playbooksports.com or give our office a call toll-free for this big $69 Fan Appreciation Weekend of Winners at 1-800-321-7777. And before I get to my complimentary play on the football card this week, I want to hand it over to our good friend Jim Las Vegas for his time free pick video on this week's football card. Jim, take it away. Thanks, Mark. I've got another underdog that I'm looking at this week. I like Navy. I look 17 and a half points from Notre Dame after coming off of that big victory over Clemson. I look for a letdown. And the game's being played in Baltimore. Notre Dame is not covered for the last five as a favorite, and especially when not playing at home. So I'm going to go with Navy and the extra points I'm getting because the quarterback injury. But Navy will be prepared, and they do well in games like this. This is a good one. Good luck, guys. Thanks, Jim. Love those free picks coming from Las Vegas. Keep up the good work, buddy. We really appreciate it. You can check out all of Jim's work online at playbooksports.com. And with that, before I get to my complimentary call, a quick reminder that our friends at mybookie.ag are once again offering all listeners a double your first deposit bonus. All you need to do is log on at mybookie.ag and use the promo code PLAYBOOK to take advantage of that big double your first deposit bonus just in time for the weekend. My complimentary call on the college football card this week. We're going to go inside the Mountain West Conference. We started out real good with our complimentary plays, and we slipped a little bit here the past few weeks, but we got a beauty on tap, I think, on Saturday. My complimentary play is on San Diego Aztecs, taking points from San Jose State, taking a look at this series here. San Diego State comes in here 5-4 and four on the season. This football team needs one more win to become bowl eligible. They've been in a little bit of a lull the last past two or three years, but they can turn that all around by going back bowling again this football season here. They come in here on a nice little run. They've won three of the last four football games. In fact, they're at home coming off a home game in that role. They're 11-1 straight up, including 3-0 straight up into the spread the last three occurrences. Bring in San Jose State here, who's already bowl eligible, not coming in as hungry in this game as San Diego State would be. San Jose State comes into this football contest, having been the underdog 13 of the last 16 games in this series. Now they're the favorite. With that, I'm going to stay at home with the Aztecs, take the points with San Diego State as they get the win and become bowl eligible for my top complimentary play on the football card this week. And just a quick note, check out all the videos from our playbook experts online. Use the buzz address, pb.buzz forward slash video. If you like Victor King's complimentary plays, it's pb.buzz forward slash VK. Jim Feist, pb.buzz forward slash JF. And yours truly, Mark Lawrence, pb.buzz forward slash ML. Check all that out for all your winning information this weekend. For Victor King from the King Creole Sports and our good friend Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas from The Logical Approach. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence. Until next week, reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it. And good luck as always.